0: You are limitless, and my goal is for you to walk away from each episode believing that. Welcome back to the show, Limitless Living Fam. Today we're going to talk about cultivating a next level confidence and how to make this really simple and attainable, regardless of what your starting point is today. Whether you are already a very confident person or you're still struggling with that and really want to work up to just moving with a more confident energy, this episode is for you because it doesn't matter what we're doing. We all need confidence to truly thrive. And we've all felt this, right? I really like to think about it like, you know how you feel when you're ovulating? You're just kind of on top of the world you move with a with a higher energy and your confidence is just above, a step above where it normally is. That is what we want to cultivate and embody all the time because when we move like that, everything is different. Our relationships, our habits and hobbies, the way we show up for work, the way that we communicate with people and set boundaries, our creativity, everything levels up with next level confidence. So the root of the word confidence comes from the Latin word confide. So when you think about confiding in someone, what does that mean to you? To trust them. The original meaning of the word confidence is to trust in yourself. So how do we think that this type of confidence is built? Research shows that confidence is built through proven successes. When I first read this not long ago, I found it a little discouraging at first because what I immediately thought was, oh man, so if I've failed at something or I don't deem myself successful at something, it's not possible for me to be confident. Like that seems like a perpetual cycle, right? That needs to break because you need to be confident to. Create a successful outcome, but how can you create a successful outcome first to build the confidence? You know what I mean? Like it's just kind of a cycle that needs broken. But the key here is how we are defining success. There's two totally different ways to look at this, and I think both serve very profoundly. So the first perspective is to think if success equals achieving the desired outcome in a certain situation, Then, in order to be successful, you must first try, fail, and learn, and try again, and maybe fail again and learn again. This is an inevitable part of the process because it's not a matter of if you need to first fail and learn and try again. It's just a matter of how much, how many times this needs to be done. The second perspective is if success equates to being pleased with your work, then technically we can choose to believe that we're successful no matter what the outcome is, whether or not we achieve the desired outcome. You can choose to be grateful for the lesson and the purpose and everything instead of hating the imperfections and being frustrated by them. You can choose to always see success. Which of these perspectives really resonates the most with you? What lands? Now, regardless, within both of these, the only thing required on your part to build this confidence is to take action, to put one foot in front of the other and just keep going. That's the only thing we need to do at the end of the day to build confidence. The rest will happen organically. It's just a matter of what perspective you want to be looking at the situation through. Because that's important too, right? We need to take action and we need to choose our thoughts and the lens that we're looking through. So here's how I stay anchored in both of these perspectives and turn them into consistent action in a way that's a lot easier than, than it used to be for me. I used to really push myself and force myself into action. And when you're, when you're really just coming from that place and it's something that you have to do and you don't really feel great about it, uh, regardless of what it is, it's a totally different experience than when you have an intentional mindset that supports you and the confidence that you're building so there's a lot of ways that i build a tolerance for failure and rejection first one being what i call baby flexes so this is small easy harmless ways to practice flexing your confidence to practice putting yourself out there in a way that even if it turns out to be the worst case scenario it's nothing damaging so, for example, talking to strangers, saying no, period, not over explaining yourself, whether it be to friends or to strangers or whatever. Holding eye contact when you're walking down the street, looking at someone in the eyes, smiling at them, looking at your barista in the eyes and saying thank you. Same thing with your loved ones. Eye contact is very interesting because it's so easy to avoid. And it's so powerful to to hold and connect with. Some other ones, asking for what you actually want or need at restaurants. Sending things back. I have had a couple situations where these did go wrong, right? But it did nothing other than build my confidence and show me like how... How much more capable and and strong I am than I normally give myself credit for. So as an example, a couple months ago, (laughs) I was setting out to do this, like flexing my my confidence muscle by communicating more thoroughly with strangers. And there was one day I was with my friend at a coffee shop and I got a matcha latte and this matcha latte absolutely blew. Like it, It had no flavor. I had asked to get some kind of syrup in it and there was no flavor and it was like chunky. It was like they just put a scoop of matcha and didn't even stir it up. It was just milk with like clumpy matcha at the bottom of it. So clearly, as I'm explaining this, I knew exactly what was wrong with this latte. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna take it back. I normally wouldn't, but I'm gonna flex this muscle. I'm gonna do a little baby flex and take it back and tell them that I want something else. My best friend was like, yeah, you go, you got this. It's going to be great. They're going to be so nice. It'll be fine. And for some people, this is a super easy thing to do. You've been doing it your whole life. It's really, it ain't no thing. But for others of us, uh, the people pleaser in us kind of just panics and it, and it floods all kinds of like anxiousness and and thoughts and social anxieties and all the things. And so this is where I was at. I was definitely anxious taking it back. And there was a line of people when I got up to the counter. And I said, you know, I I don't like this latte. Can I get something else? Sorry, I don't mean to be a problem customer. It's just I really am not feeling it. And about three or four people behind the counter turned around and looked at me, which, of course, like everybody else in line and everyone sitting nearby looked as well. And someone in the back, of course, said, in a, in a, they didn't yell, but a, above average voice. What was wrong with it? And there is like somewhere between five and 10 eyes on me at this point. I'm feeling so awkward. And in the moment, I just, I, I can't give an answer. I'm like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I just really didn't like it. And like I said, I obviously knew what was wrong with it, but I couldn't collect my thoughts in the moment because I felt like I was put on the spot. And so it was just a really awkward situation. I ended up getting a tea and they were fine about it, but it was not like if you would have told me that that's how it was going to play out, I probably wouldn't have gone and done that, right? But sometimes, most of the time, the thing that we fear needs to happen in order for us to not fear it anymore. I needed to freeze up and have a bunch of people putting me on the spot to no longer worry at all about sending things back or being put on the spot. It's just like ripping the Band-Aid off, right? So anytime you're doing these baby flexes, just remember that the worst case scenario is not that big of a deal and it's only going to contribute to your confidence. The way that you feel on the other side is going to be so worth whatever it is that happens, that is uncomfortable. In the process. So baby flexes. Secondly, finding a safe space to fail. I am huge on this. This is a safe space to fail is just a space where your intention is to get things wrong and to learn and grow. And it's supported for you to do that. And this can be if it's related to your work, you know, the safe space to fail can also be related to your work, or it can just be a totally neutral, detached space, like a hobby or something, right? Like you could go and pick up a new hobby, like, I don't know, aerial yoga or boxing or something like that that you've never done before, knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable and you're going to fall down and get it wrong before you get it right that's the whole point because you're just you're just again flexing that muscle of resilience and confidence and you're showing yourself what you are capable of step by step. So a new hobby is a really good example. Some of my clients also go right to social media with this because they know that the results of getting things wrong like not putting out a piece of content that is super perfect and curated is okay like nothing's gonna come of that and you can always just delete it if you want Uh, for me personally personally right now i am in a season of practicing public speaking and it was really important to me to find a safe space to fail there so i joined a toastmasters club which is essentially just a public speaking club they have them everywhere literally all over the world thousands and thousands And it's just your space to get up there and to fumble over your words and to freeze and practice giving speeches on the fly and prepared. And it's perfect, absolutely perfect, because it helps you, again, strengthen that muscle and just get your body used to feeling vulnerable, really, is kind of what this all comes down to, because any act of courage, anytime you want to be seen or put yourself out there or learn something new, there is emotional risk. A great example of this, just to keep in the back of your head, is when I was in cosmetology school, most of our schooling was us actually practicing on live people on the floor. So people would come in to Paul Mitchell, the school, and sign a waiver. And most of the time, they didn't really realize what they were getting themselves in for. They didn't realize just how newbie we all were. And so there was a lot of chaos, a lot of customers who were not pleased, but it was all, there were also a lot of really supportive people who didn't really care that much. If you got it wrong, they were happy to get a cheap haircut and they left it at that. And so that was the space where I was like, let me try everything. Let me do my first balayage. Let me do something really, really scary because guess what? If I fuck it up, they signed a waiver. And even if they're pissed off, it doesn't matter. Because my teachers and my peers are going to be supportive because this is literally what we're here to do. And I would so much rather fail and mess things up here than go get a job at a salon where someone's paying me money and the expectations are high, right? That makes perfect sense to all of us. So find a safe space to fail. The next thing is to protect your headspace. This is huge. When you are in a season or you're really trying to take your confidence to the next level, or you're just trying to grow and level up in any way, there's gonna be a lot of discomfort, right? So protecting your mindset at all costs is huge. I do this by really pulling back on social media because comparison is inevitable when you spend a lot of time on social media. Um, I will only consume content, whether it be books, TV, podcasts, music, social media content that is uplifting, positive, inspiring, or educational in a way that is aligned for me in this season. So for me personally, what this looks like is whenever I'm sitting down in the evening to watch Netflix or whatever it may be, instead of going to whatever the trendy thing is, like a new murder mystery or something like that, I will go straight to an inspiring documentary about someone really successful, or I'll watch some kind of talent competition. America's Got Talent, The Voice. I'm not sure what else is coming to mind right now, but stuff like that is always very inspiring to me, and it puts me in a really positive headspace of hope. And so just being disciplined with only consuming things that affect you in a positive way it's very simple yet it's still very hard to do and then for me not drinking or smoking because those are they're both depressants so naturally it's inevitable that in some way shape or form whether it be in the moment or the next day there's going to be some kind of negative effect on my headspace and typically that comes in the form of feeling socially anxious or just kind of spiraling down the worst case scenario of whatever's been on my mind lately. So as of lately, it's public speaking. When I, because Alex and I are pretty flexible, we don't drink a lot, but we're pretty loose with smoking weed. And oftentimes this really helps me, you know, get into creative flow and and dream and vision. And so we're not anti-weed by any means. I definitely believe it's a medicinal substance in many ways, however, And seasons like this where I am stepping out of my comfort zone and I am at risk for anxious spirally thoughts, it's the worst thing for me because I will just spiral (laughs) so fast um, and really start to doubt and question myself. And so these substances, they're not always harmful, but depending on what I'm trying to accomplish, they can be. And so there's just not a time and place during seasons like this for me to be partaking in those things. So I just have to stay disciplined and cutting them out. Also exercising, you know, the flow of endorphins is super, super helpful for getting yourself in a positive headspace. So knowing, I guess what, um, knowing how to crack your code to stay in a really great headspace and protect it is everything. And this is something that I work a lot with uh, with my clients is cracking their codes and knowing what works best for them. Because there's there's all kinds of things across the board. There's meditation, journaling, certain types of books, um, just certain habits and hobbies that are unique to each of us that really serve or don't serve for each individual. And the last thing for building a tolerance for failure is weaving in comfort and indulgence into the discomfort in the vulnerability. So when you are doing things that are very uncomfortable, it's okay to also do more things that are comfortable and indulgent for you because humans are wired for familiarity and comfort. So if you can weave that into your process, your subconscious and your body, your nervous system is going to be able to take those steps and lean in with less resistance. So for example, this can be as simple as, goodness, I have a candle lit on my desk right now. Not that I'm doing anything uncomfortable, but I'm weaving in a little bit of comfort and indulgence because it just huh, helps me breathe and be at ease. When I go to Toastmasters, I like to wear a very cozy, fuzzy sweater because it feels like I have a blanket wrapped around me. It makes me feel a level of comfort when I'm up there speaking in front of people and I'm mentally very uncomfortable. So little things like that go a long way. Also, the indulgence part of it is really just celebrating yourself in whatever way feels good as you do these things. So, you know, if you're going out and doing something uncomfortable, maybe you're going to a jujitsu class for the first time and you're feeling really anxious about it, Plan the rest of that day or when you get home to be something really indulgent and enjoyable for you. Maybe go out to dinner, maybe come home and watch your favorite like comfort TV show. I know mine is Friends or Ginny in Georgia. Treat yourself because it makes the process so much more enjoyable, which makes it so much more sustainable, which ultimately means that you're going to end up moving a lot faster towards your goals and what you want because you're not going to get stuck and burnt out on the discomfort. And then I also wanted to talk about the second perspective. So that was all about, you know, tolerating failure and discomfort, which is the first most important step in building confidence. It's an inevitable step is putting yourself out there and failing forward. And then the second perspective was about staying pleased with your work. And viewing the outcome as successful regardless of whether or not it's what you were going for in the first place. And this is just really all about staying in a positive headspace, which you guys are probably pretty familiar with. So an easy way to do this is reflecting on past lessons and how they've served you. When things aren't going your way, when you are stumbling, when you are feeling some pain and some hardship, recall on the last challenge you experienced that really served you in ways that you didn't expect and how it's still serving you, whether it's something that happened last month or 10 years ago, what purpose did it serve for you and how many positive outcomes were there ultimately from a negative experience or something that felt negative at the time? With that, living in the quote-unquote gain. If you've ever heard of the book, The Gap and the Gain, uh, this is where that comes from. And if you haven't, it's a really very helpful um, foundational book to read. And it just gives a lot of insight and tangible ways to stay in a positive mindset. So essentially the idea is we can either mentally live in the gap or the gain. And the gain is measuring how far you've come So looking at your starting point to where you are today and living in the gap is looking at or living in how much more you have to go to get what you want. So from present day to your future goal, and we can't stay in the gap. It's not productive or helpful to stay in the gap at all because that target in the future is always moving. No matter how high we climb, there's always something next that we're reaching for, right? And so instead of focusing on where you want to go and what you need to accomplish and what you don't have and all those things, it's just choosing to take a step into the game and say, wow, look how far I've come. Look at everything I have accomplished. Let's recall. Let's count it out. Let's celebrate it. Let's look at what is working instead of constantly poking holes at what is not working. This is something that I'd use with my clients a lot because oftentimes we wanna, in entrepreneurship specifically, we want to look at everything that we're doing quote unquote wrong and everything that needs to be improved. But what if we instead focus on what is working and just press the gas on that and let that expand and help us grow? It is so much, it feels so much more natural to grow and leverage your strengths that way. Because guess what? You don't really know what you're doing that's wrong. Air quotes, again, wrong. Like maybe you're not doing anything wrong. Maybe you're doing a lot of things right. You just need to focus more on those things and get more creative in how you're applying them. And then the last thing that helps me stay pleased with my work regardless of the outcome is staying off of the negative thought train. Because they're always going to be available. They're always going to be passing by. But I don't have to hop on the train. So this is what I do to not entertain the negative thoughts or jump on the train. Anytime I hear them arise, whether it be, what if this happens? Or remember when you did that? Or like anything that is not productive doesn't serve what I am trying to do or who I am trying to be, I do what I call a two second trick. I take a deep breath and on the exhale, I'll either say internally or out loud, disengage. And by the time I've done that, in two seconds, the negative thoughts have evaporated. They're no longer trying to suck me down. I just needed a quick diversion from them. And then when I've recalibrated and I'm not being pulled and sucked down by those negative thoughts, I can then choose a more positive, constructive thought with ease. I make myself available. I reclaim my power of choice over my thoughts. It is so super simple, but man, it is effective. Let me tell you, it's crazy how many problems we fabricate inside our minds that aren't actually problems. And if we can just take a second and disengage and step away from them, we'll see, oh, that doesn't actually exist because it just evaporated into thin air by my choice to not entertain that thought. And the very last thing is to set your intentions. I'm a huge intention setter. I set an an intention every month and every day, and sometimes on a weekly basis as well. And I have my clients do this too. And it's really profound because it's kind of like planting a seed in the back of your mind. And it just starts to bloom and blossom without a lot of intention needed from you. I say that a goal is if you're, if you're, I guess driving is the right word, um, driving a ship and the island is your goal. Your intention is how you're steering. And you're not going to arrive where you want to arrive without steering in the aligned direction, right? Without setting an aligned intention. So I hope that this brought you some value today. If it did, all I ask is that you leave a rating below. That would be super helpful for me. And even more helpful than that is to just share it with someone that you care about that you think it would serve. And if this is the kind of inner work that you want to do in order to bring your vision and your dreams to fruition, Limitless Leaders is such a cozy, awesome, supportive space for you to do this. This is my one-on-one program where you and I dive deep into your subconscious to cultivate confidence, to release any inner blocks that are holding you back from taking action and getting what you want ultimately. And this is where you're going to learn to really, really enjoy the process of growth and discomfort and doing what you need to do to, again, bring that vision to fruition. Because enjoying the journey is the only way that it can be sustainable for years, for decades, because if you are on a long-term journey, if you have dreams that you know are going to take years to really come to life, we need to be enjoying the process. That's the only way. So if you are interested, um, there is a link in the show notes to inquire and see if it's a great fit for you. If you if you do fill out an inquiry form, I'll be in touch and we'll go from there. So thank you guys so much for listening today. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I will see you back here next time on the Limitless Living Podcast.